Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Today, we are wrapping up a series called Sounds Complicated. And really, the whole heartbeat of this thing has been to set ourselves up and position ourselves with the choices that we make today in our relationships, because how many of you know they impact our tomorrows? And this is that what Paul told us in Ephesians when he writes this, don't live like fools. Like be careful how you live, not as, as, as fools, but as wise, right? Making the most of every opportunity in these, these evil days. So the whole goal of this thing really has to been to, to protect our, our tomorrows by living carefully today. And that's really the goal. That's why we're talking about when we get to those crossroads in our, in our lives and in our, our, our decisions of doing what's right over what's advantageous, you know, for, for, for God's sake, always choose what's right. Because this really has been a series about character and about integrity. Because Paul says, man, the future's coming quickly. And I know sometimes all the young people in the room, where are my young people? High school, college, young adults. I know it feels like Sometimes you have unlimited time in your life. But how many of you know the decisions that you make today really impact your tomorrow? So if you, you wake up one day and you don't like where you are, guess who's to blame? You had everything to do with where you are because of decisions that you made. So Paul says, don't do that. Make the most of today. Live intentionally today. Live vigilantly today. Be a, a man of God, a woman of God, a person of, of purity today. So today we're going to wrap this up and we're going to remove all the window dressing. We're just going to kind of get real, uh, get to the point. And this again comes from a place of, of no condemnation because in Christ, if you've been covered by his grace and mercy, his mercy is new for us every single morning. So we don't have to approach this with, with you know, hesitancy or timidity. We can just simply say, God, we just wanna do better. How can we do better in our relationships? How can we be better men of God and, and women of God? How can we strengthen our, our marriages? And so that's really the goal. And I wanna take a departure from our, our, our text in Ruth as we wrap this up and tell you a story found in John chapter four. If you'll hang with me, Steve, you'll hang with me. All right, sit tight. Because in John chapter four, verse one, it's an incredible story how Jesus will meet you right where you are. So the story of the woman at the well, some of you are familiar with this, but it says this, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. Don't you love this? An argument is, is breaking out about who baptized more, right? And you know, Jesus' disciples were involved in this. Like we baptized 47 and you only baptized 12 and, and one of yours was pregnant. And so that didn't count. And so, you know, there's bickering and the Pharisees are involved in this because neither one of these guys, Jesus or John, went to their rabbi schools and so they, they were against them. So there's arguing, there's backbiting, they're looking down their nose at these guys. What's happening? All the stuff that happens when religion is involved. The, the scrutinizing, the arguing, the nitpicking, the division, right? And men were involved, so there's scorekeeping and there's you know competitiveness happening. And so what does Jesus do? Look at verse three. So he left. Jesus is like, deuces, I'm out of here. I'm like He left, it says, left Judea, returned to Galilee. And something you should know is Jesus is not a, 
a big fan of arguments like this. Jesus could care less. Hey, whether or not the, you know, the, the, the baptismal is at 87 degrees Fahrenheit or 89 degrees Fahrenheit. He's not a big fan of those types of art. He's not a fan of, you know, should the communion juice be leaded or unleaded, right? Should, uh, you know, whatever, should we read out of the King James version only? That's the only version. That's God's version or the NIV or the ESV. Jesus is like, I'm out of here. Why? He says, because there are hurting and broken people and I'm going to go find them. There's somebody that's drinking themselves into a hole as we speak, and I'm gonna go find them. There's a young girl who is, who is causing herself to throw up and become anorexic because she does not think she's beautiful. I'm gonna go find her and tell her just how beautiful she is. Jesus has no time for arguments like this. He's like, I'm gonna do everything I can to find the one lost, hurting, broken sheep, the person who's far from God, and so he leaves. And he does just that. That's what I love about Jesus. I love that about this season that we're in. As we're looking forward to, to Easter in just a few weeks, he says, he left Judea, returned to Galilee. Verse four, he had, somebody say had, had to go through Samaria. Did he really have to? Geographically, he didn't, but he had a divine appointment. Didn't say he happened to, that he had to go through Samaria. Even Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, Near the field of, that Jacob gave his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there. That's gonna become very important. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well. It was about noontime. Circle that, highlight that in your text. It was, you know, the, the hottest time of the day. Verse seven, soon a Samaritan woman came and, to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy food. The woman was surprised because Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans, especially a woman, especially someone who is by herself. So she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Like she's shocked. Notice this is scandalous during this day. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, which by the way, only Jesus can talk like this, right? He's the only one who can say, if you only knew the gift I was and who I'm, you know, who's speaking to you. Like some of you guys have tried that before in a bar, you know, if you only knew girl, you should stop. He said, you would ask me and I would give you, what does it say? Living water. But sir, you don't have a rope, you don't have a bucket. This well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Notice she's, she's being literal. He's being eternal. And beside, do you think you're, you're greater than our ancestors, Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again because it won't satisfy. In fact, you can chase everything in this world, everything this world has to offer, and it will never fully satisfy you. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life, this never stopping, never ending life that God gives us. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. I bet she did. Give me this water so I don't have to be thirsty again. I won't have to come back here to get water. She's totally missing the point. And he says this, go and get your husband. All right, go get your husband and bring him. And she goes, I don't have a husband. The woman replied, Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. At that moment, 
perhaps she thinks she dodged a bullet. Can we change the subject? Can we move on? But what does he say? For you have had five husbands and the guy you're with now, he ain't no good either. You're just shacking up. You know, with him, you certainly spoke the truth. This woman said, you must be a prophet. Now notice what she does. Jesus has read her mail. She turns into this defensive mode, which is oftentimes what you and I do when we're confronted with truth in our lives. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place we can worship? While Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship, Jesus replied, hey, the time's coming is not gonna matter. Whether you worship here, worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem, you Samaritans know very little about the one who you worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here right now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And that's what God's looking for, by the way. Like even today, he's looking for that. He's looking for true worshipers with a humble heart. Someone who would say, I don't have it all figured out, God, but I just wanna meet you in this moment. I wanna give you the worship that you're worthy of. For God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called the Christ, which means the sent one, which means the the anointed one. When he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. In other words, that's when our hopes will be fulfilled. Our, Our dreams will be fulfilled. Everything, our desires, and watch what Jesus says, mic drop moment, I am he. I'm the guy. I'm the Messiah. It says, just at that moment, right, his disciples came back and they're shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask him. They're all chickens. What do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well, ran back to the village telling everyone, this is what happens when you have an encounter with Jesus. Come and see the man who told me everything that I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So people came streaming from the village to see him. And if we keep reading this this story, and thank you, Steve, for continuing to play. I know your fingers are about to fall off. It's a wonderful story that ends with a revival of an entire city, an entire village, people just coming out to see this man, Jesus, all because a woman was going to get water, left her water jar, and because of her testimony to the village, they all came out and had this, this, this encounter with Jesus. Did you know that a single encounter with Jesus will give you a purpose that you're not even prepared for? She came hoping for one thing and she left with something even greater. And our prayer really every single weekend here at Elevate is that you would come perhaps hoping for one thing, but that you would leave with something even greater than what you even thought you'd give. And a lot of that boils down to our expectation because how many of you know you experience, your experience is a lot of times shaped by what you expect. So God, right now, thank you for your word. We expect God that it it would come alive in our hearts and in our minds today. God, we expect that your Holy Spirit would make it clear and give us direction and guidance for the text we just read. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make it clear the the challenge and the counsel that each one of us need in this moment today in our relationships, in our marriages. And that's what we're talking about. But God, you have a way of meeting us in any circumstance, in any place that we are in right now. So no matter what's said, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would teach. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.
Now you can be done. Thank you, Steve. You're the man. You're the man. Hope is a powerful thing. Is it not? Hope is a powerful thing when it comes to what we, we experience, um, what we believe will be shaped you know, by our hope a lot of times, and it will be shaped like who we become has a lot to do with, with what we believe. And so our negative or our positive belief about the future or about where we are, about our relationships, or about the fact that you're in church right now, like is shaped by a lot of what you're hoping for, a lot of what you are expecting, because you can come in this room today and you can be like, man, I don't want to be at church today. You know, I'm tired. You know, it was snowing outside. I was, you know, had it with the snow and now it's snowing again. And, you know, here I am. And how many of you know that will shape a lot of what you experience today? But what if you came in here with a different attitude? All right, God, you're going to meet me here? Like, I'm expecting you to speak to my heart. God, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm setting aside this time, so I might as well get out of it everything that you have for it. It's just a different way to approach things. Are you with me? To lean in, to just kind of dive in. What if you approached your, your school that way? Like, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get everything out of it that I want to. Or you approach, you approach your, your job that way. How about your marriage? How about your, your relationship? How about the areas of our life, the parts of our life that perhaps aren't always going so well? What if we approached him with this perspective of, God, you know what? You're going to do great things in and through this. However, and here's where we take a shift. Hope can go horribly wrong when you place your hope in, in the wrong thing. You know what I'm talking about? It can go horribly wrong when you place your hope in someone or something who was never meant to handle or sustain your hope. Has someone ever, um, you know, hyped you up about something or about a movie? They're like, hey, you got to go see, you know, you got to go see, you know, Space Jam 2. It's amazing. It'll change your life, right? And you had these high hopes for it, and then you go see it, and you're like, that was a royal waste of time. Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like you, you were all excited for it, but it wasn't quite what, what it had been made out to be. And I think marriage is a subject that's all too easy for us to walk into with this unreasonable kind of expectation where we place our hope for, for happiness on a single person, on, a, on, on, on something that, and as a result of that, is guaranteed, right, almost to be a letdown because how many of you know people aren't perfect, we're not perfect. We're humans. We're fallible. We get it wrong, like, all the time. Like, like, but when we put our hope on someone that was never meant to sustain it, like 23-year-old Colby hoped that when he stood at the altar and said, I do, and Kristen said, I do, right, that we'd be doing the do all the time. You know what I'm talking about? Like, three, four times a day on off days. Yeah, I thought those would be, like, slow days for us. There's this, uh, you know, but now, you know, I'm, there's this Justin Bieber song that says, you want to argue all day and make love all night. Don't judge me for liking Bieber. I like the Biebs, right? You want to argue all day, make love all night. And at 23, I'm like, that sounds amazing. Make love all night. At 47, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> really? Like all night? Well, like, like, I'm, I'm thinking 21, 22 minutes tops, you know, and then let's... Oh, you make love all night, whatever, whatever, right? But you have these different expectations in different seasons of your, your life. And I think it's easy for us to have certain hopes and ideas shaped by culture for what relationships and marriage should look like. How many of you know that's where a lot of us get our idea 
for what marriage is and what relationships are through movies and music and through fairy tales, also known as Instagram, because that ain't true, that's not real. And then we get there and we find out it's not quite what we had hoped for. It's not quite what I, I thought this was going to be. And because of that, we're let down and things end up broken and things end up, uh, we end up crushing under the weight of this hope and expectation we had put in someone. That's what's going on with this woman at the well. It's in John 4, it's evidence of the fact that Jesus said she was in and out of five different relationships. And the guy she was with wasn't her husband either. So what do you suppose it was that caused this woman to think, hey, this time is going to be the right one? The, the hope that the next time, you know, would be, would be the, the right one. Hope that this time would be different than it was before with all these men. Could it be like, uh, perhaps like many of us today, we get addicted to infatuation. And we're excited about the beginning and how things, things start. But when the butterflies, you know, wore off, perhaps the commitment dissolved as well. And maybe the commitment only ran as deep as the initial fireworks did, which lasts in that time of infatuation between 12 and 18 months is what you know, studies say. Whatever the case was, on five different occasions, can we agree at least with what she had hoped for and what she experienced were very different things. It caused her to go from relationship to relationship, from man to man, to man, to the point where now she's just shacking up with a guy and not even, you know, married to him, which, which you do know, by the way, that cohabitation does not help a marriage that comes out of it. Studies have proven that, that cohabitation, like they, they don't cause marriages to thrive in life. They are 70% more likely to end in divorce. So that's, that's what happens. So here she is, like many of us today, placing our hope for happiness and wholeness in a person, not realizing there is a heaviness that comes with our hope. There's a heaviness that no person was meant to, to carry. Now, I'm not talking today about not counting on people. You should be able to count on people. You should be able to depend on them, right, to rely on them. I'm just saying when we falsely believe that a person is able to sustain and carry all of our, our hope, things in badly. In fact, I want to give you four things that we falsely believe. Here's number one. Write this down. Marriage will make me whole. Marriage is going to make me whole. You complete me. Not work for Jerry Maguire, right? But not for reality. Because half of you and half of someone else don't make, don't make a whole. You know that, right? It, it, makes, it does make a whole. It makes a whole lot of trouble is what that makes Right? It's just, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And I guarantee you walk into a relationship hoping for a loneliness inside of you to, to be met and filled by a person. You're going to be lonely while you're waiting for that person to be the cure for your loneliness. It just doesn't, doesn't work. Why? Because marriage does not solve the problems inside you. What it normally does is reveal more of the issues that you already had. Right? How many of you realized that in the last two years? that you had issues personally. It just kind of ended up like exploding in conflict and confrontation in your relationships and in your marriages. Like there were cracks already underneath the surface that that storm, you know, of, of COVID and the pandemic that we're still currently walking through just kind of amplified the issues that we already had. Like that's what happens in our own life. It's like one day you go outside and, and the, 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 the shingles are off the house and there's water dripping in or perhaps you neglected the basement altogether and you, you go downstairs and, and it's flooded completely, right? Because, because we, we were hoping for one thing 
but something else happened. And marriage and relationships reveal a lot of the cracks that we already have. In fact, I didn't realize how selfish I was until I got married, personally. Like, I always knew I was selfish. I didn't know how selfish, you know, I was. When, you know, I was living by myself, you know, in an apartment, you know, $400 a month, you know, I could do whatever I wanted. I didn't have to make my bed. I could throw my laundry wherever I wanted to. I didn't have to do the dishes, you know, when I didn't want to, anything like that. And then I got married and I realized all the stuff that I was doing wrong all along. You know what I'm talking about? Because when I installed a wife, I installed a security system <laughs> with constant surveillance in my house. And in fact, with like, and I told you this last week, marriage is a threshing floor experience, right? It's one of those, it's, it's constantly winnowing, you know, the trying to get the, the chaff away, trying to get the irredeemable parts of your life away so that you can end up with the purest form, you know, of who you are and your relationship together. It's a winnowing kind of a threshing floor, but also it's parenting. And so even the addition of every subsequent child in my, my household is like adding another video surveillance. I got video surveillance all over my house. I got four kids constantly watching me. Dad, I don't think you should say that. Dad, I'm going to tell mom, right, all the time. All that to say tying the knot with someone will not provide what's missing in your life. It shines an even brighter spotlight on the empty spaces. That's what happens. It just reveals the cracks that we already had. And that's why Jesus said in John 4, 13, whoever drinks this water, the water of this world, they're going to get thirsty again. It's not ever going to satisfy. Why? It's not just marriage. It's anything on earth. It's not going to satisfy. Physical things will never, never satisfy spiritual desires, spiritual needs. It doesn't work. Nothing, money, fame, Marriage, relationships can fill that ultimate void that you have in your, your life. But we falsely believe, right, that, that marriage will make me whole. Here's the second thing we falsely believe. I can have strength in this relationship without a strong foundation, without taking the necessary time to build the right foundation. Like, you know, there are people that will spend tens of thousands of dollars on their wedding and won't spend any money preparing for their wedding and counseling and, and, and making sure they're, you know, will work together and, and, and doing things appropriately. Um, I can have strength without a strong foundation. In other words, you can't build your life on sand and your marriage on sand, expecting it to have the stability and traction that you find on rock. This is what Jesus tells us in Matthew 7. Look at it. It says this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it's not gonna collapse. Why, right? Because it's built on bedrock. You can't build on sand and expect the traction and stability of, of rock when the inevitable storm comes. Because he's not saying, you know, if the storm ever comes. How many of you know it's when the storm comes? Because they are coming. He says, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. In other words, it's going to look good. It might be finished on the outside. It might be ready for the housewarming party. And you have people over and like, oh, I love it. It's, you know, it's so cool. It's got shiplap and, and subway tile and snake plants, you know, whatever is trendy right now. Right. It might look good on the outside. But as soon as one storm hits, it's going to come 
falling apart. Look at it, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house. Colby, how long before that happens? I don't know, you tell me. It's different for everyone. It could be a, a year into your marriage. It could be months into your marriage. It could be a few years, right? It's, it's not a matter, again, of, of if, it's when. One day the wind's gonna pick up and one day the, the storm's gonna come. It says, so when it comes, it will collapse with a mighty crash. In other words, as powerfully as it began, it's going to quickly dissolve. It's gonna collapse with a mighty crash. And you're gonna ask God, why is this falling apart? Why is, why is this relationship, you know, notwithstanding the pressure and the response will be because you built on sand. You didn't build it on rock. You built it on, a, on an unstable foundation. In fact, here are some unstable foundations we build on. Here's some sand we build on. Write these down. Chemistry, number one. Well, whenever we're around each other, sparks just fly. Like we just love so, so much, you know. Have you read the notebook, you know, kind of thing? The notebook's got nothing on our relationship. You know, it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's built on chemistry. Well, I remember chemistry class, and guess what? Stuff blows up. It happens. What about attraction? Attraction. That's another sand that we build our relationships on. Oh, we're just so attracted to each other. We can't keep our hands off of each other. He's so hot, I had to swipe right. Or she's so hot, you know? But that's sound, sand too. And you do know that how he looks now is not how he's going to look 20 years from now. Right? Guys, you do know that how she looks now, like when she's been eating nothing but celery and spray tanning 18 months before the wedding, is not how she's going to look 20 years from now. Right? It's, it's, it's sand. Because if you're building your relationship on a picture of what it looked like when, what happens when they don't look that way anymore? What happens when even something tragic happens, you know, in their life and in their a disease or, you know, something strikes? Like what happens then? Are you building on a foundation that can handle some hurricane force winds? Attraction is not. Or what about common interests? That's saying too. Oh, we just have so much in common. Like he just, he loves football and I love football. That's amazing. Really? Or, or we're both on TikTok all the time. You're going to build your relationship because you like TikTok. What happens when you're standing over the grave of a family member that you're burying? Is that really going to withstand tragedies? Is it really going to withstand kind of storms? You just build on common interest? Are you going to go, well, at least we like football? No, it's on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground, what does it say, is, is sinking sand. There is no other foundation that can go the distance that can weather the storm. It's a false hope to believe that you can build your life on sand expecting the strength of, of rock. And by the way, all those other things are fine. There's nothing wrong with chemistry and attraction and, and, and common interest, but none of that stuff can hold a candle to the man or the woman who will bow a humble knee and declare Jesus is Lord of their life. And that's where their strength and their identity and their value first and foremost comes from. <laughs> Cannot build on sand. Expecting the benefit of rock. <laughs> that was like perfect timing. In fact, in your search, guys, ladies, young people, you should be like Ruth and Boaz, who we've been looking at that one day, you know, Boaz gets to his field and he looks up and there's Ruth standing there. He was working his field and God brought her into the area that he was already working. Guys, 
And just do what God's called you to do. Just work the field that he's, he's given you. Or your, your hope is not looking into a person, right, to make you whole, that you're already whole in Jesus Christ. Here's the third one. Write this down. After saying, I do, I'm all done. How many of you believe that? I can coast. We made it to the altar. She said, I do, or he said, I do. We're all done. That doesn't work. Why? Because marriage takes work. Great marriages are not turnkey or maintenance-free. They take work. If you were to say to me, Colby, I don't think my marriage is working, my response would be, it's probably because you're not. Are you working hard at it? Like, what if you approached your job or your career the way that you sometimes approach coming home to your family? Would you still have a job? Would you still have a career? Like, anything that you're getting better at in life, you can show me the steps you've taken to get better at that thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like if you're getting better at your golf game, well, you can show me I'm spending this much time. I'm, I'm buying this equipment. I'm, I'm taking, you know, these, these lessons. You can show me what you're doing to get better at golfing. If you're getting better at hunting, if that's the thing, you can get better at hunting. You can show me, right? I got this equipment. I'm spending more time out in the woods, you know, tracking the animals and sniffing for the wind and like, you know, tasting deer droppings or whatever you guys do. I don't even know what you do out there. But you can show me, like if you're getting better at your bench press or my bench press is increasing, well, you can show me everything that you've done, right, the steps that you've, you've taken. So what are you doing to uh, ex expend effort making the marriage the, the best it possibly can be? Because anything you value, you're willing to put time and money into it. Are you not? So show me on your calendar, that you value your marriage. Show me on your calendar that you value those, those relationships. Well, Colby, I can't do that because we don't have money. We can't, we can't go out on date nights. No, you can afford, you, 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 you will do exactly what you value. And so you will make time and you will, you will put the, the, the money together and save or go you know, somewhere for free, do lunch dates, whatever it is, if you value it enough. Great marriages aren't built on hope. They're built on on effort. They're built on effort. So take those weekends away, just the two of you. Like, take the vacation, because a vacation is just the two of you. The whole family, that's a trip. That's an outing. A vacation is just, just the two of you. Make the choice to do it. And here's the last one I'll give you. And I'll have the band come out, and we can land this beast. Religion can solve my problems. Boy, it seems like you're taking a little detour here away from the, the, the relationships and away from, you know, the, the text that we're talking about. I'm actually not. Because when Jesus finally cuts to the, the heart of this issue with this woman at the well, and he says, hey, call your husband, right? And at first her response didn't make that much sense to me. It seemed like it was a defensive maneuver in order to kind of, you know, skirt away from, from that topic, but... Her location was an indication of her desperation. And you know that's true because all that rhymes. <laughs> Where was her location? It was at Jacob's well, which was at the base of Mount Gerizim. Mount Gerizim to the Samaritans were like, was like Jerusalem and the, the temple to the Jews. And so this is a great indication that her search was not over. That she had... She had looked for it in man after man after man. And so now here she is at Jacob's well 
at the bottom of this mountain, still searching for something to put her ultimate hope in. Because can I tell you something? Listen to me, if you don't hear anything else, your strong marriage, your strong relationship starts with a strong faith in God first. It has to be that way. It has to be that way. Look again at what she said in verse 20. She said, so tell me, why is it? Right? He just confronted her about the guys she was shacking up with and all that. She's like, all right, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is where you worship, but we believe it's here in Samaria? And, and really, she's saying there's really a lot of confusion around this. I, I don't know the, this whole religion thing and, and what I believe and how we should go about it and, and where we should worship. In other words, you have your ideas about this. I have my thoughts about this. She says, here at Jacob's well, are you greater than he is? Or can you have more to offer than, than he does? What, what is all that? That's just a, that's just a smoke screen. That's just, that's just throwing that out there. That's not really dealing with the heart of her, her issue at all. And it's the same thing all of us do. And some of you have done when you've been confronted about, you know, tell me about your faith in Jesus. How's your faith in Jesus? Well, you know, there's a lot of evil things that have been done in the name of Christianity and Jesus, the Crusades. What's that? That's a smoke screen. Well, I grew up Catholic and this is what Catholics say, or I grew up Baptist and this is what, this is what the Baptists say. And it doesn't seem like any church can get along. And it doesn't seem like I don't even know what to believe. I don't even know, you know, where to turn, where to even, even look. I don't even know if God's word is real. Some of you have asked those questions. It's the lie though, that religion can solve the problems in my life. Because can I tell you something, hoping in religion to to solve your problems is no better than hoping in a marriage or in a relationship to ultimately fulfill you and give you, give you everything to fill that hole and that void in your life. But that's where she was. Religion helped me. Here I am. This guy couldn't do it. This guy couldn't do it. This guy couldn't do it. So here I am at the, the place where we believe is the most holy. But she's learning that neither could religion do it. Jesus is like, hey, it's not about location. Location, location, location. It's about God's spirit inside of you. And he says, I have something to give you that is an eternal water that will last forever. It's a life, you'll never have to come back here. In fact, you want to make something that is inherently complicated like relationships and marriages even more complicated? You start looking to outside things to fulfill that hole inside of you. But when you start and you allow Jesus to fulfill what's really missing inside of you, that's where it all has to start. In fact, I love the fact that he would approach this woman and this was scandalous that he would even sit down and talk to her. You know what that means? He's willing to get into your mess. He's willing to meet you right where you are, ladies and gentlemen doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made in relationships and, and marriage and dating. None of that, that matters. So I find great hope in this story that he's willing to meet you right where you are. But he says this, like, hey, you can stop searching for other things to fill that void in your life. I have the only thing that's gonna work and it's not gonna come through a person. It's gonna come through the person, the Messiah, Jesus. And so I thought it'd be fitting for us, like I've said my piece and you know, that's God's word, but I thought it'd be fitting for us to maybe spend the last couple minutes that we have and either reaffirm our commitment 
to the fact that Jesus is central in our life or for the first time, maybe some of you need to begin a relationship with Jesus by allowing him to pay for your sins, your mistakes, past, present, and future. Here's what the Bible says. If anyone believes that that God sent his son to this earth and died for our sins, and he confesses him as Lord, and they also believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, we would be saved and set free. We'd become whole then, not looking for someone else to make us whole, but that we would be whole in Christ. And from that, from that, right, working in our field, doing what he's called us to do, I believe we can have great marriages and great relationships. So we do this, we just bow your head, close your eyes all around this room. Two questions. Here's the one. Colby, I need to recommit to putting Jesus at the center of my marriage or of my relationship. If that's you right now, would you throw your hand up in the air? Again, no condemnation, no conviction. You're just being honest. You're just saying, God, I I can't do this without you. We desperately need you in our marriage. We desperately need you in our relationship. God, I pray, I pray right now that you would strengthen those marriages. God, that are the are with the people right now that are raising their hands saying, God, we're desperate for you. We cannot do this without you. We cannot do this apart from you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill them, that you would redeem what was lost or broken, that you'd begin right now, God, putting back the pieces together in the same way that you did through that woman sitting at the well who had made decision after decision after decision, God, that led her further and further away from you. It really didn't matter. Because at the moment she had an encounter with you, God, it changed everything. So we pray in Jesus' name that those that would say, God, I'm desperate for you to work in our marriage, they'd have an encounter with you that's undeniable, that they would turn all their focus and attention towards you to fulfill those lonely places, God, in their life, the place where they need to find worth and value, God, begins with you. In Jesus' name, while we're still praying, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd say, What I actually need, Colby, today is a relationship with God that I haven't crossed that line of faith yet, or maybe I did a a long, long time ago, but today I'm coming home, home to God because it's not through religion that will get you there. It's only through this relationship. So I'm gonna invite you right now to pray a prayer. Not gonna invite you to be a part of a church, but invite you to pray a prayer that lets you into a relationship with God that he has given us through his son, Jesus. If that's you today, would you throw your hand up? I just wanna see who I'm praying with. Yeah, yeah, all around this room. Yeah, praise God for you, praise God for you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, God bless you, God bless you. We see you. Awesome, 10, yes, ma'am. God, I pray for those that would lift their hand up right now that you would give them the courage and the words to begin a relationship with you. If that's you, you can repeat this out loud. In fact, our whole church is gonna say this out loud with you. Those that are followers of Jesus, come on, let's give them courage as well. Let's pray this together. Jesus, today, I give you my life. Make me whole, make me new. I confess you as Lord and as Savior. And I believe that God raised you from the dead so I could be saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. 
you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.